glass, ice, pour. Hello and welcome to Whiskey and Rye. I am your host, Ryan Charles Brown, and joining me on the show today is Jamari White. Jamari, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me, as always. Uh, I find it really interesting that our name, like we're kind of a yin and a yang. I don't know if you noticed that um, my last name is Brown, <laughs> but I'm a white, but I'm a white guy. <laughs> and your last name is White. You're a black man, uh, and so we are. We're a yin and a yang. We are. We're yin and yang, and I think that's why we're kindred spirits. We are. I think so. Um, yeah. So I've had the pleasure of getting to know you um, both professionally and personally over the past uh, few years. Mm-hmm. But uh, my listeners have not had that pleasure. So uh, as we are getting things started, um, I'd love for you just to introduce yourself a little bit and yeah. Talk about some of the amazing things that make you who you are. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, well, my name's Shamari. I'm originally from Columbus, Ohio. I'm a, a Midwesterner through and through, and all the things that that means, all your assumptions, and yes, project them onto me. <laughs> um, I uh, am a spiritual life coach. I'm a creative um but more than anything, I'm just a human who loves other humans and likes to talk about human shit. Can I cuss? Yes. Okay. <laughs> likes to talk can. about human shit and likes to cuss. Um, you know, I'm a man of trans experience. Uh, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I think those are just some of the things that give folks a window, a little bit of a window. It's a nice into, snapshot. Yeah. 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 Nice snapshot. So a creative life coach, I'm sure that's going to be something that people are like, I either need one of those or uh-huh. I want to be one of those. Yeah. So, well, it's actually, you just merged them. Ah, so okay. A spiritual life coach and a creative life coach, but you're 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 tapping onto something there. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, <laughs> I like that. Maybe I just uncovered something. I think you did, actually, as always. Yeah, maybe that was a moment of pure inspiration. Yeah, um, I like creative life coach. Yeah. I think, I think... Um, I feel very called to work with creative people. Yeah. So in my work, and I would say that um, my ideal client is probably someone who thinks of themselves as a creative. Mm-hmm. But I've never used that phrase, creative life coach. But maybe there I you might go. start. There it is. <laughs> You're gonna update your website as soon as we get off this podcast. I, I might. <laughs> I'm going to see business cards. Oh, Jamari White, creative yeah. life coach. I'm like, oh, that's got a nice ring to it. I mean, it does. Right? It definitely does. So, And I mean, who doesn't need some creative life coaching, even if you're not a creative, right? Like, Well, I fundamentally believe we all are, right? So I think there's, uh, a, part of, there's a part of me that's like, we are all creatives. It's one of the reasons why most children, I'd probably say all children um, early in life are interested in drawing and painting or, or mm-hmm. things artistic. Um, I think it's a natural part of the human experience to want to create. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely agree with you. I, I have this idea that we're all creatives. And I, and I actually heard that. I heard a quote from someone, I don't remember who it was, someone that I really appreciate, and they were saying that too, that we're all creatives. Mm -hmm. We all have, oh no, I remember what it was. 
it was not a quote from a famous person. It was a quote from a fictional person. Uh, oh, it was Bradley Cooper. <laughs> it was Bradley Cooper's character in A Star is Born. Ah. And he talks about how everyone has talent. Mm. Everyone you meet has talent. It's Facts. just about what they use that talent for and mm-hmm. how they express that talent. And mm-hmm. I think that's the same with creative. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we're all creative. Absolutely. Uh, every one of us has the ability to create. Absolutely. Um, and it's just about tapping into that yeah. potential. And really, we're all creating all the time. Mm-hmm. It's just we have a different level of awareness mm-hmm. of what we're creating all the time. Yeah. You know, the, the world that we live in, our reality, are all things that we've created. Mm-hmm. Um, but whether we're aware and intentional Mm-hmm. Um, and aligned in the creation of ourselves, of our lives, I think maybe is my work as a creative life coach is, yeah. is supporting people and having deeper awareness of mm-hmm. what they are creating all mm-hmm. of the time mm-hmm. in their lives. Yeah. Yeah. It's not easy to step into a space where you're helping people discern creative things or mm-hmm. where you're even helping people kind of get their shit together and like organize mm-hmm. their life. Like that's very difficult. How do you, like what was it about that that made you feel like I'm capable of doing this? What, what attributes mm. of yourself made you feel like I'm the one for this? This is my life. I can do it. That's a, that's a great question. Um, there's a long... It's not actually that long, but there's a long story that could answer that question. But actually, I think most important is um, my mom showed me a drawing that I had made probably when I was like, I don't know. I try to guess based on the the writing errors. I was probably like (laughs) seven or eight or so. I'm, I'm guessing I'm also bad at child development stuff, so I could be totally off. But I was young. And the drawing is a a portrait of myself. And at the top of it, I wrote, um, and I'm paraphrasing, but I wrote, you know, uh, God said in this book, you know, I'm I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I like that. And then I drew myself, I think, walking on water. I'm not Mm. sure. And then at the bottom, I put, um, I, I want to, or God said I can be anything when I grow up. Um, I want to be Dr. White because I want to help people. Mm. Really, God is doing it. And so I think it's just my calling. Yeah. I, I, I understand myself to be a vessel. I understand the work I do to be divine work. I understand it to not be work that I'm doing on my own, to be a co-creation mm-hmm. with the divine, with the universe, with the people that I um, am blessed to work with. Um, it's beyond even what I can conceive of myself sometimes doing. There are times yeah. where I'm like, wow, what, how am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are doubts with that, um, as well. But yeah, I, I think on a very deep soul level, it's just what I'm called to do. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if there's. I've had a lot of training. I've worked as a therapist. That was what my initial training was in. I'm certified as a coach. I have all these credentials, all this training, all these skills. But at the end of the day, um, the biggest thing I have is a call. Yeah. And that is what gives me um, permission to do what I do. Um, and the, the faith, really, to do what I do. Because yeah. it, it takes faith. Yeah. Yes, it does. <laughs> it absolutely does. And uh, you said at the very, when you were kind of describing who you are, you said, and at the end of this, I'm a human. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think um, 
focusing on humanity and thinking mm-hmm. about your own humanity and your own creativity. Um, what are some things that you do that help you tap into your own creativity that then you then give to other people to help them tap mm. into theirs? Because you're awesome at like spiritual practice and self-care and like these things. So I'm glad you think that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's inspirational to me. Like I see you on Instagram in your robe and you're taking spa days and you're like doing all this. I'm like... I need that, you yeah. know, I need that in my life. Well, that was you know? actually the first time I've ever been to a spa. The first time I've ever gotten a massage. It was a very great experience. Yeah. I, I mean, I totally recommend it. Um, that's a great question. I think that for me, it's about a, a con- constantly being in relationship with God. Mm. That I mean, that's really the, the root of it all, mm-hmm. whether it's something I'm doing that's explicitly creative, work with clients, being in relationships with people just as mm-hmm. a human, mm-hmm. first and foremost is the relationship that I have with God and myself, and that is what fuels it all. Um, a big part of that is gospel music for me. Mm. Um, I post a lot of gospel lyrics online and I actually had someone recently who was sharing space with me and I turned on gospel and they were surprised. I don't know if they thought that it was like Mm. a gimmick or something Mm -hmm. that I was doing and they're like, you actually listen to gospel? Like just cause? (laughs) This is just like a persona you're putting on. Yeah. Yeah, And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like I wouldn't, I, there are some days I wouldn't get through if I didn't. Uh. Um, because it's, it's for me, it's like cultural medicine. It's mm-hmm. like how I maintain that relationship, that communication. Um, it, it just, it completely puts me in a whole different space. It's a, a different level of intimacy. Um, so that's really important. Uh, engaging sacred text, which for me is sometimes the Bible, but oftentimes isn't. You know, mm-hmm. it can be poetry and um literature right now i'm reading uh, uh, a course in miracles um i think and this is something i work when i work with people is important whatever it is that supports you in feeling loved and feeling held um and feeling feeling grounded and feeling at peace Mm -hmm. do that yeah um, any creativity, anything you want to build, anything you want to do is going to flow from that place. Hmm. Um, and I really support people in finding their own process. I yeah. really, 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 I'm not one of those people who's like, do it this way. Cause yeah. that's what worked for me. Right. Please don't do it like Subs- me. Like a, like a, like a <laughs> subscribe to this process yeah. or whatever. Don't, yeah, yeah. don't do it like me. Yeah. Do it like you. Mm. Yeah. So... I, uh, I've been sort of dan- – I appreciate you entertaining kind of like these early questions where we're sort of just like laying the groundwork. And, yeah, you know no, what I, mean? I love it. These it's it's questions. good, but like what, what, I re- what I think we're – what I really want to know, and I think this is what will sort of rocket us into the next short portion is, um, you know, you talk a lot about your faith and, mm-hmm. and how that's a big portion of, of, of who you are and your identity. Um, but the question I want to ask will tie in with that, but – I really want to know, what does it mean to be human to you? What does it mean to be human? Ooh, that just gave me chills. We often don't think about it. You know, we don't think about 
you know, we've we've had a little bit of conversation yeah. off off uh, off mic. You know, we kind of primed the pump last night. We had some wine. We had a great conversation last night. Yeah, we've been talking this morning about some things. Yeah, but I I would love to know from your perspective, what does it mean to be human? Being human means getting chills. Mm. I mean, really, have you ever thought about the experience of getting chills? Yeah, like. No, I've never really thought the, about it, actually. Like, the, the energy, the electricity of... That oftentimes can happen with multiple people in mm-hmm. a moment, right? Mm-hmm. You experience a moment together or someone says something really profound that just touches something in all of us mm-hmm. that brings us all to chills or tears or... Like, that is what it means to be human. I think what it means to be human is something we can attempt, and many people, anthropologists and theologians, and, I mean, people are all over the world attempting to articulate what Mm -hmm. that means. And I think words are great, and words are going to fail us because so much of it is an experience, Mm -hmm. right? It is is chills, right? Mm -hmm. It It is the tears. It is the moments that leave us in awe and in disgust and... It's all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the particularities of it. That's something I talk about all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Like a part of the universal human experience is to be particular. Mm-hmm. N- none of us are the same. Like not, there's not a single two human beings on this planet that are the same. And so a part of the human experience has to be being particular. Being your own world, being your own context, um, that's rich and beautiful. And there's opportunity there and things that scare us there. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's it's a part of what it means to be human. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Getting, I mean, getting chills. Yeah. That I. That's my favorite answer. Yeah. Yeah. I want to like. All the things I just said, and like being human is getting chills. Being human is getting chills. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that because when you think about being human, you can go into so many different things about our our biology, our physiology. Uh, yeah. You know, it's a huge existential question. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we are a lump of stuff that pieced itself together somehow. Right. That has evolved over time to think and feel and have emotions and to create and to destroy and mm-hmm. to kind of have all of these things um, in, in embodied in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I appreciate kind of thinking about what it means to be human, especially in this divisive, this, uh, divisive time where we're, we're not looking at one another as human. I mean, we're recording mm-hmm. this podcast uh, a week after we've had two mass shootings right. in one week. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there are countries who don't have two mass shootings in a year. Mm-hmm. We had some, we had them within a few days of one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, when I hear about things like that, I think, gosh, we've forgotten how to be human. Mm. We've forgotten how to look at another human being and to not see them as some sort of social construct, mm. but to see them as flesh and blood and bones feelings and emotions and all these things and so i think um i think it's important in this this time to be asking people of all different types of backgrounds you know what does it mean to you to be human Mm. because um 
I think right now there's there's a there's an absence of of a definition and it's causing a lot of moral failures. Hmm. I think. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we've forgotten what it means to be human. No, I like that. I think we. Um, I, I. I think that there's a there is a for a forgetting. I think there's a. A fear of of seeing. Yeah. Which is a little bit different than a forgetting. Yeah. Um, because if you were to really see, you'd have to see the fact that um, humans can be mass shooters. Mm-hmm. We can be mass shooters. Mm-hmm. Humans can look like Donald Trump. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Humans can be Hitlers. Humans mm-hmm. can be um, colonizers. Mm-hmm. Humans can own other people. Humans can terrorize other people. That's, that's real. That's, that's, that's heavy shit. That's heavy, yeah. You know, yeah. and if you ever really held that as a part of the human experience as a part of you, mm-hmm. right? As a part of you, as a part of me, a lot of us don't want to hold that. Mm-hmm. A lot of us don't want the responsibility of what to do about that. Mm-hmm. Um, for as much as we, you know, shout and yell and um, lament on social media and, and for even as much as we actually engage in, in any type of action or, or attempt to heal or mend those things um, even sometimes that is a, a an attempt to like push away mm-hmm. really seeing and push away uh, our real and true capacities mm-hmm. um, even when I look at myself I, I think if people would just start there like look at yourself the things I'm capable of the things I've done. Mm-hmm. Not even let's not even talk about the things I'm capable of. Let's talk about the things I've done, which some of them I'm not gonna say on this podcast, right? <laughs> right, yeah. Like, woo, if people knew the worst thing I've ever done. Yeah. You know? And everybody can say that. Maybe they won't say it out loud. Right. But everyone when they go to bed at night has had a moment where they've been man. If anybody knew. Mm-hmm. If they knew this one thing about me. Yeah. 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 And I think a part of that is all being able to collectively say and look at each other, um, look at each other and say, this is the truth that we know about ourselves. And instead of allowing those things to live in the dark and live in shame and live in guilt and to turn them into demonic and evil things, like what would look like to bring light to them Mm -hmm. and to talk about it and Mm -hmm. to talk about how did we get here? And to talk about how do we use our creative abilities in, in, in different ways and um, how do we heal the parts of us ourselves that react out of dysfunction. Um, I, I think that's critical. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a remembering, mm-hmm. right? It's a remembering that we are not one thing. Like we're not the worst thing we've ever done. We're also not the greatest thing we've ever done, mm-hmm. which people love. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's how we get, um, you know, heroism. And things yeah. like that, where we put people up on pedestals and, you know, and then, you know, 10 years later, all of our heroes come crashing down. Right. I mean, we learn that they were what? Human. Right. 
you know we're not the worst or the best things we've we've ever done right you know we're we're many we're multitudes and how do we create a world where we are multitudes have limitless potential um and don't destroy each other yeah you know it's so funny uh as i'm listening to you talk i'm thinking about how we're so quick to champion ourselves by the by a defining moment in our life right mm-hmm. like we pick a moment we're like mm-hmm. this is such a great thing and it maybe be like the high point of your life mm-hmm. not many people would look at maybe like the lowest point in their life as mm. as a defining point or as a turning point but i love that but i just did an exercise recently that encouraged you to look at your low points as turning points and it was yeah. like when you, you know, it's kind of like you hit rock bottom to you can only go up, you yeah, know, type of thing. Yeah. Um, but I think the illusion is people think like, oh, I hit, oh, you'll hit rock bottom once. And I'm like, no, y'all, you're going to hit rock bottom multiple times in life. Yeah. You know, definitely. to me, life is a continual death and resurrection. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a faith person too. Um, I think you have more faith than I do. But, uh, <laughs> I <believe that. laughs> but, um, but I believe life is a continual death and resurrection. You know yeah. what I mean? Like as you move through one season and sometimes you have to kill off pieces of your past in order to, to move forward. Right. And so Speak. even you yourself are causing some of the death in your life. This, yeah. you know, and I'm using air quotes, uh, figurative death. Um, but I think there's a continual death and resurrection in life. And, and, and I think part of that's just part of the human experience. I agree. You know, I absolutely, I absolutely, I, I agree with all of that. I, <laughs> yes, 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 yes to that. Well, yes. and then thinking about in, in the context of men and masculinity, you know, just mm-hmm. even the things that we're talking about would be healthy for all individuals and in, you know, communities to be thinking about. But I imagine if men were leading these types of conversations in that they were looking at their suffering, mm-hmm. looking at their low points, um, as a, and not ha- feeling so much shame about them. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that I really love about the work that you do is your work is so liberating. You're like freeing people from the shackles of shame and regret. And for men, that is, I mean, that's, you're giving them new life. You're breathing, mm-hmm. you're breathing life into limp lungs, you know? And mm-hmm. so, um, I think I am, I am, I am humble. You can't just say all of that, <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> and then that, I mean, I am humbled by that description of me. I, yeah. I, 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 everything I do is, is an attempt to liberate myself. Everything, mm. everything. Yeah. So if anybody else gets liberated as a byproduct, yeah. Wonderful. Um, But at this point in my life, everything I I try to do is about liberating myself. Um, Particularly, you know, I've I've hit, gone through many low moments, but in particular, you know, in the last few years, just rock bottom after rock, the bottom of the bottom of the bottom rock Mm -hmm. bottom, Mm -hmm. you know, and... I've held the shame and the guilt. That's why I love the the comment you made about lifting up those things, you know, as important po- moments in our lives. I I I would have never thought about that, but mm-hmm. yeah, there there. I'm thinking of one moment in particular, um, which I said I was going to talk about the, some of the things that I've done that I'm not going to talk about, but <laughs> actually I am. Um, I ninjaed you. Yeah. So. Um, when I initially got married, um, 
we did not tell all of my uh, wife's family that I was trans. Mm. That was a mistake. Um, and I have, I have a lot of reasoning on one level as to why that was and a lot of that I value and I still and I honor on a deep level. Um, one of them being, I don't feel like I'm owed anybody anything mm-hmm. of my story, of my truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can both hold that while that was true, an attempt in, in an attempt to honor that part of me, I was also operating from a place of fear. I have regrets about that. Um, and even more so, we did not share with um, the pastor who married us that I was trans. And that is something that I have carried a lot of shame about mm-hmm. and a lot of guilt. Um, as a person of faith, I have so much respect for any person who attempts to step into that role and step into that call. Um, and in many ways, I've, I felt I felt like I dishonored God mm. in not in not sharing that and in not giving him the opportunity to have a choice about participating in our union. Um, yeah, I've I've carried a lot of shame around that. Um, and even though I've had conversations and, and given apologies and, and things like that and been for, forgiven and in many ways, it's still not standing in my truth. In that moment, um, is something that I'm still working through forgiving myself for. Um, and being okay with having made a mistake. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are so mistake scary. Like, yeah, right. yeah. And we are so mis. I mean, anything. It's so. Fe- it's it's so. It's such a fear that we carry, and you know, I look back on it now, and I'm like, you know. I did the best that I could where I was. Mm-hmm. I really did. Mm-hmm. Like we we really did. And now I know more. Mm-hmm. And now I know that was a mistake. Yeah. And that's okay. It's okay. Yeah. That's Imagine okay. if more people took that posture when it came to mistakes, especially men. Yeah. You know, I still I could name probably three or four things that I still carry with me mm-hmm. that if I were to just say, you know what, this mistake and I did the best that I could. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna move on from it. Yeah, I I would feel slightly liberated. Yeah, and it would start to heal. Yeah. yeah, because it's I mean, we can talk about accountability and all of those things, but oftentimes so much of what people are carrying are things that other people don't even know about. Other mm-hmm. people aren't holding against them. Mm-hmm. Other people don't even know was mm-hmm. a thing they did. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, we are all just carrying these like 
quote unquote monstrous things that we need to be held accountable for. Mm -hmm. Many of us are carrying things that could be done with, with a simple apology, Mm -hmm. but we actually don't think we're worthy of being forgiven for them. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm thinking about um, in my own life how um, I uh, would take for granted a lot of um, people that I would meet in new relationships. A lot of my backstory um, is feeling a sense of rejection. I carry a lot of rejection with me um, or feeling like I was rejected. And it's cost me a lot of friendships. And and it actually, Mm. it actually, had I not done some work before you and I met, it might have cost me our friendship because now that's intriguing to me yeah because um one thing that i was doing that was a mistake is i was trying to receive validation from my friends and this was especially true of people of color like i was Mm. trying to receive like validation and Mm -hmm. and like acceptance and i realized how that's uh that's not a great way for a friendship to start Mm. you know and also it's not a responsibility of another individual to like be like you're good you know what i mean like especially a person of color who's Mm -hmm. gone through so many things on their own life and so when you and i first met thankfully i had realized like i don't need someone to validate me Mm -hmm. especially people of color and so i could just be myself and like i remember you said um one of the first conversations we had we were like i don't know what i'm doing with my life and you're like me neither (laughs) great you know what i mean um and for me to be able to admit that to you Mm -hmm. someone who i'm like in this cohort with we're in a learning environment we're at vanderbilt you know what i mean like oh vanderbilt divinity right (laughs) we're like man if we don't have our shit together in this context people are going to throw us out or we're going to be looked at like whatever you know but you and i we just found that realness in that connection Mm -hmm. and we didn't need I didn't know I didn't need a validation. Mm-hmm. I know you didn't. Mm-hmm. And we could just step into this space where it's like we could just be real. Yeah. You know, we could just view one another without something to prove, without something to exchange right. positive or negative. Right. You know what I mean? It was just I'm Ryan, you're Jamari. Right. And you were like, I'm Jamari and I was like, I'm Ryan. Yeah. And and that was that. Yeah. You know? And uh you know, we just we've had a lot of deep conversations since then, which I think has helped. And we've been intentional about our friendship because you live in Kentucky, right? You know, you don't live here in LA. Yeah. Um, but I've seen you. This is the third time you've been to LA mm-hmm. um, in a year. It was just last year that we. Last year was the cohort. It was last summer. Yeah, it so feels like forever. It feels like it was million yeah. summers ago, but it was just last summer. Wow. Last summer was our cohort. So uh, you've been out here three times since then, and this last time. Um, you know, you got to you got to stay with me two times ago, but this time you're staying with me for a couple of days, and it's it's awesome because we're getting now to experience actual like life together, right? right? Like where you you saw me this morning, like with my child, like right. doing all the dad stuff, and right. then like making breakfast and doing right. dishes, and like you were just there, you're yeah. just a part of it, yeah. you know. And like I I will admit that. I was feeling like a little embarrassed when I was doing some of those things. I was feeling like Mm. some tension, but I realized that um, that's my own thing. And you're not, you don't feel that way. You're not feeling like, gosh, you know, I wish Ryan would like hang out with me or talk with me or whatever. Like, why has he got to be doing stuff around the house? But that's, but this is intimacy, right? This is real life intimacy, especially between men, between men who are friends and we're sharing we're sharing the intimacy of like our routines right. and like how we do stuff on the daily which yeah. 
is so unique and so beautiful. And I, and I think that's part of why you and I kind of keep, we kind of keep coming back to each other, especially when we're having moments of creativity, because we just understand what that's like yeah. in, in each other. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and it came about naturally. At least it did. At least it feels like that for me. No, it definitely feels that way for me. I mean, I think there is definitely something about our relationship where I feel a deep sense of being able to be authentic and vulnerable with you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's funny that you bring up like feeling having things around doing, you know, stuff. Yeah. Um, this morning because last night I realized I picked up a shirt. Uh, I packed a shirt that had paint on it. And I, for a brief second, I had this moment of like, oh, I'm not gonna, I don't wanna wear this shirt. And then I was like, what the fuck? It's yeah. Ryan. Like, <laughs> it's Ryan and Jen. Like, yeah. who gives a fuck, you yeah. know? And, yeah. but that's probably the first time I've, outside of like being at home with my family, where I really felt comfortable enough to like, you know, put on the whatever mm-hmm. comfortable, it's my sleeping know, shirt. Sleeping shirt. Yeah. You know, even little things like that. Right, mm-hmm. where we struggle or have these doubts and mm-hmm. fears around rejection and judgment, and and struggle to show up as we are, yeah. right, in the truths that we are, mm-hmm. um, and not feel like we have to explain ourselves. Because at one moment I was like, "Oh, I'll just go out and I'll say like, oh, I accidentally pick up," and I was just like, "No, you don't even need to do all of that. Mm-mm. Like for what, Mm-mm. you know?" But it just goes to show how impacted we are right mm-hmm. in our world and how we're impacted by the fear um that just putting on a shirt with paint on it with your friends can be something or or sweeping up mm-hmm. you know your your kids uh, peas yeah. and, and eggs on the yeah. floor and yeah. and instead of like hanging out with your friend or whatever who's there can bring up all of these anxieties around mm-hmm. uh, rejection and judgment mm-hmm. um and so imagine if little things like that and then you blow it out to mm-hmm. all the other even mm-hmm. deeper and even more intimate things uh, we're carrying a lot yes <laughs> like we're carrying fear yeah. around a lot of mm-hmm. who we just are authentically which is why i love being with people and being with friends who we can just be yep. together yep. um i don't know if you saw the post i made a couple weeks ago where I asked people like what are their five top forms of intimacy non-sexual intimacy um, oh, I missed that one yeah like you should go and damn you algorithm should answer it. yes and for me one of them is like sitting in silence with people mm-hmm. like other people find that really uncomfortable I feel like I'm really comfortable with you and you are really comfortable with me if we can sit in silence with each other and not feel like we have to fill up space with something. Taking a quick break to give you a great opportunity from my podcasting service, Podbean. If you are a podcaster or if you're an aspiring podcaster, you've been thinking about doing a podcast for a while, I would invite you to check out Podbean for your hosting service. They're the service that I use and I absolutely love them. They're super great and their customer service is awesome and I really enjoy it. So if you are looking to sign up for Podbean as your hosting service, you can use the exclusive code that's provided in the show notes and I'll give it to you also right right now. It is 
podbean.com slash whiskey rye. That's podbean.com slash whiskey rye. You sign up, you get all sorts of great things, and that also helps support the show and keep it going. So uh, if you are a podcaster looking for a hosting site or you're an aspiring podcaster, highly recommend Podbean. They're great. Go over to podbean.com and check them out. And it's also freeing to the other individual. And I think if more, I was just talking with my last guest, Steve, of, you know, he's endured a crazy amount of loss over the past year and a half. Uh, he lost his mom 14 months ago. And then his dog, who was his best friend, he lost four months ago, uh, both very sudden. And, um, I was talking with him and he was like, he was saying that very thing. He was like, you know, cause I, I was kind of asking him about how, you know, how do, how could people help you or what, mm. you know, what was helpful for you during, and he was just like, you know what? He's like, I think sometimes people feel like they need to know what to say mm-hmm. or they need to kind of whatever, when, especially during times of tragedy and loss, like people mm-hmm. feel like they got to fix it somehow or there's something they need to say. And he was like, man, he's like, if people would have just showed up and just like sat with me and not yeah. said anything, yeah. he's like, that's, that's what means most to me. And he's yeah. like, and the people that did do that, it just kind of showed up and just didn't really say much and just kind of like held the space with me. He's like, those are the people that are helping me yeah. right now. He's like, because honestly, none of this makes sense. Mm-hmm. He's like, this doesn't make sense. I don't understand these types of things. Uh, I don't understand why life operates this way sometimes. So just saying something for the sake of saying something, he's like, it just pisses me off. It makes mm-hmm. me mad. It makes mm-hmm. me angry. And it's not helpful. Yep. You know, I want, I want the truth. And the truth is this sucks. And so if you're not going to tell me this sucks, then don't say anything. Yeah. You know, and that's that's actually what's going to mm. help yeah. move him through. Yeah. And, and I think if I could just share one more thing, um, you talked about carrying stuff, right? We mm-hmm. carry so many things. And, and actually one of the things that Dr. Carl, my therapist, tells me about is he's like, you know, not only do you carry your own shit, but you're carrying shit from your parents, your ancestors, and from you're carrying stuff from your family line that like you don't even know you know what i mean like so for me that looks like i come from um a family where men are very authoritative you know and they have a very authoritative stance and so i'm carrying this burden of like be an authoritative man in a context that's like authoritative men are dangerous and mm-hmm. sexual predators and you know what I mean like over authoritative men right. so it's like how do I balance this from my past and it's it's really finding spaces that I can look at all the stuff that I'm carrying mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and sometimes you look at those things in silence and you're just mm-hmm. sifting through your stuff mm-hmm. the stuff that you're carrying with another person and sometimes you just got to put your proverbial pack down and just mm-hmm. like sit and be quiet with yeah. another individual mm-hmm. and um, and, and in that, you find the, the next thing that you may or may not move into. Or, or sometimes you just sit there for a minute, you catch your rest, catch your breaks, and you're like, all right, mm-hmm. I'm just going to go carry this some more. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not any closer to feeling at peace, but I am feeling rested. Yeah. So, yeah. and then moving in, yeah. moving in with that. I think that, I mean, you, talk, you asked me earlier about, like, what are the things that I do for my creative process or, you know, spiritual practice in, in general, and... Um, I think that's a big one, mm-hmm. like being able to sit in, in pain, in confusion, in whatever doesn't feel like love mm-hmm. is essential. It's important. It, it gives space to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives attention to it, which is ultimately what all these things want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like all these things, parts of ourselves that are in pain, that are in turmoil, they want attention. They want to be loved. They want to, they want to be heard. Yeah. They want to be acknowledged. Uh-huh. You know, um, they're just like these little cute things at the you know underneath all of it mm-hmm. that 
just want to be seen and you know instead of running off trying to fix them and or hide them or being able to sit in that pain knowing it's it won't it won't kill you mm-hmm. right like just to, to just sit with it it won't it won't kill you um, yeah. but many of us feel that way yeah. do i really sit with my shame my guilt my pain my loss my grief my heartbreak it's gonna kill me mm-hmm. you know but it's actually not sitting with it that's gonna kill you that's exactly it. i was like but <laughs> that if is you what's don't kill sit you. with it if you yeah. let it just fester mm-hmm. then it's only gonna get worse and it's yeah. gonna get it's gonna get bigger yeah. it's gonna get less easier for you to accomplish and then it, eventually it could grow to the point where you need someone like you who's who you know people they, they reach out to you and they're like i need help i need yeah. help jamari i need yeah. i need a direction i need to i feel like i'm spinning out of control right um and so i um i want to i want to leave enough space to talk about your latest uh, endeavor um Ooh, yes. that is really great um so i want to let you talk about it i'll let you introduce it and all those things but one one thing I would like to know is you mentioned that this idea, like, it just kind of happened. Like, you just were like, oh, I'm just going to choose this. So talk a little bit about how, of all the things that you were doing, mm-hmm. how did this one, this new thing that you're doing, how did this take off? Take off. And how did this become, like, the thing that yes. you're going to do? Um, and I what's it called? This. So the, the project is called Being With Black Men. And uh, the mission of the project is to be with black men. So it is um, really just a project that's focused on curating divine encounters with black men that I record and make available for public witnessing. Um, It really comes out of, um, and that's it. Yeah. I just leave a pause there. That's yeah. that's it. We'll that's, parcel that out more. We'll dig deeper into that. Yeah. Um, but that's the project. And what it comes out of is um, back in, I can't even remember when it was exactly. But a while back, I was asked by the ACLU of Kentucky to be a part of a fundraiser they do where they have local community leaders and artists come and do reflections on art pieces at uh, 21C Museum in Louisville. And um, so they invited me to come and to pick a piece and do a reflection on it. And so I went prior to the event to look at the art to pick my piece. And I saw this one um, particular piece um, that really just, I mean, it just kind of captured me emotionally. Um, and I looked at some of the other pieces and when I looked at them, there were a lot of thoughts of things I could say, but I just kept coming back to this piece emotionally, which was, it's kind of of this, a black man who kind of has a band, a bandana over his face. And I mean, just, it really, is he modern looking or is it? Yeah, no, modern modern looking looking, and you just see his eyes. It's a very powerful piece. Um, I don't know if there's maybe a way we can show it to to show it to the yeah, listeners. Yeah, maybe I'll put um, a link in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, the visual link for it. And 
I just kept coming back to it, coming back to it, but I didn't know what to say. Like, no, there were no words. I just had all this emotion, all this healing. And so finally I just said, okay, I'm going to pick the piece, even though I have no fucking clue what I'm going to say up mm-hmm. there. And so I let it, you know, a few days go by and eventually, uh, I don't know what to call it, a poem, a reflection, an essay, what a speech, whatever. It came to me um, and it was called What Happens When a Black Man Dies. And it really centers around this concern, this deep concern that I have around our response to black men being in particular shot by the police and our concern about our bodies and our deaths in that way, which is important, but not feeling like there's a response to the ways in which we are dying every day emotionally, spiritually, mentally. And wondering what is that response? Who is responding? Is anyone responding? And a lot of it comes from my own personal experiences of just, you know, young black men like myself, activists, leaders, PhD students, people who are quote unquote successful, sharing with me suicidal thoughts, sharing with me their inabilities to receive love, sharing with me hatred for themselves, um, and really just grappling with my own fear looking at my nephews who right now are really carefree and whatever and don't carry a lot of shame about things and wondering like one day how what that all is just going to be taken away in yeah. the name of being a man or whatever the hell else people want to call it. Um, and really asking the question, like, who is, like, who's going to notice? Mm-hmm. Who's going to do it? Who's doing anything about that? Um, because that is my, you know, above my nephew getting shot by the police or encountering the police who might shoot them or just the person on the street who might shoot them. That's my deepest fear for them, mm-hmm. that who they are as a human, their soul is going to be shot a million times and they'll be a shell of a person. Mm-hmm. And so my call to action at the end of the piece was for folks to ask a black man about his heart. And in thinking about that piece, um, I turned it inward and Mm -hmm. said, what's my response? And so um, I'm a part of, I got chosen to be a part of the Dalai Lama Fellows, um, which is a fellowship in partnership with Um, the Dalai Lama and uh, University of Virginia for young leaders across the globe. And as a part of that fellowship, I had to propose a project. And so I was like, huh, maybe I'll propose this project um, where I literally just sit with black men and ask them about their heart. Mm. And that's simple. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of like, okay, I'll do that. Yeah. And I did. And now it's kind of, I don't know, it's taken on a world of its own in a lot of ways, in my mm-hmm. own heart, in my life. Um, it feels essential um, to my own healing, where much like your last guest, Steve, mentioned, there have been times in my life I just wanted someone to be with me. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, out of fear um, of just being with another human being, but in particular the fear that comes with being with a black man who is 
you know, there's a narrative around that um, people couldn't just be with me. Mm. They, they, people close to me, people I yeah. love, who I know love me, didn't know how to just be with wow. me. So that exposed like a need. Like you're like, there's oh, yeah. obviously, yeah. there's a huge need here. Yeah. So what were some of those first, and you don't have to reveal names, but like what were some of those first conversations like when you were just sitting down asking black men about their Well, hearts? I haven't actually started official oh, okay. conversations. Okay. Um, there's been a lot of like, I would say like, preliminary mm-hmm. um well, well maybe what was what were some of the things that you reflected on as you asked yourself that question about what's what's on your heart well that changes from day to day okay. um i think a big thing that has been on my heart related to the project is a grief mm-hmm. um a few years ago, my family experienced a number of losses. My grandmother and two uncles passed away, you know, really within wow. months of each That's other. That's a lot of family elders to yeah, be gone. Yeah, yeah. It's really sad. No one in my family has died my entire life. Wow. So, and my grandmother was over 100 years old. So, it was a big deal. And I, I don't even think I knew how to grieve. And no one asked me how I was doing. Mm-hmm. And I realized, I tried to do all the things that they tell you to do yeah. when you realize you're spiraling. Um, one time I even reached out, I sent a text to a group of friends. And after the my second uncle died, um, and I, I literally said... I am not doing well. Like, I, I don't think I can handle this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I had two people responded back to the text. No one called, no one reached out, no one followed up. And it was, that hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, when right, people tell you, talk about community care and self-care and reach out and don't sit in alone. I did. I did the things. Mm-hmm. I did the things. You were vulnerable. Y'all. Yeah. Yeah. I did. I said, I cannot handle this by myself. And the community did not meet me. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> right. There was anger. There was hurt. It yeah. was like, this is bullshit. Right. Like my heart was broken. I mean, my heart was broken with the grief. It was broken about my friendships, my relationships, my life. Um, Even my wife at the time did not meet me in my grief at all. Um, I've never felt so alone in my life. Never felt so isolated in my life. Never felt so broken down in my life. And It has taken me a, a long road to be in a place now to be with my own grief. Because it reached a point where I said, okay, you're clearly not allowed to grieve. Grieving is not for you. Wow, that's a lie. I know, right? Yeah, it's yeah. such a lie. A but I believed lie. that. And right. the more time went on, it was like, oh, it's you know, it's been a year. It's been two years. What are you grieving about? You know what I mean? Yeah. And And now I'm like, no, like... I didn't grieve definitely the first year. Um, 
In fact, this is, so this is actually powerful. And I forgot about this. When my grandmother died, I was at work. I remember being at work and um, my cousin calls me and she just starts talking, answer the phone, she just starts talking. She says, you know, I just wanted to make sure that you check in on your mother because you know how, you know, Uncle John is and, and blah, 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 blah. And they're trying to be strong. And I, and I just, and I'm like, what? Like, what are you checking on about her? And I was like, wait, I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. Like, what are you? And she realized I didn't know. And she said, you know, Grandma, Grandma Lambert died today. And I was just, I mean, I immediately started bawling. And she, she said some things I couldn't quite remember and we got off the phone and she called me back and apologized, you know, like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't know you didn't know, you know, and then started going to, you know, she had a long life and da 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 And yeah. immediately, I mean, I probably bawled for five minutes and immediately like shut it off. But it was, it was such a powerful moment, right? Like she called me to be of support to someone else, my mother, which of course I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. It never even crossed her mind that I wasn't aware or what I might need or, and then, and I did it to myself, right? Yeah. Immediately shut it off, right? I canceled everything I had planned that day. I went to my mom, like, I, I, I mean, I never grieved mm-hmm. that situation. I never grieved my grandmother passing away uh, in that moment. And and now that I allow that to be present in my heart in a way, knowing that all of that was bullshit and is mm-hmm. bullshit, mm-hmm. Um, to be present in my heart with that. Um, and still, um, it's not really something I've been in with another person. And actually a friend of mine was sharing with me, was going through a very similar situation, how she was feeling. And I realized that I, how meaningful it was to have someone sharing with me, and I wasn't sharing, but to have someone even just sharing with me their own grief mm-hmm. about their grandmother, I was like, oh, I didn't know I needed that mm-hmm. still. Mm-hmm. I didn't know I needed someone to just sit with me and share the fact that like we're losing or I've lost someone really important to us in our lives. I didn't even know I still needed it because mm-hmm. I was been do- doing the work to be present with my own grief myself. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's something that's been on my heart and um, this project is something that I think about making space for as a result in myself. And imagine I will sit down with people who Things like that will come up. Mm-hmm. Things that are joyful will come up. I mean, I my whole thing is not to define what it is that we talk about. Yeah. Period. Right. Um, I, I'm with that. Yeah. I'm here for that. I'm yeah. not trying to define masculinity. I'm just here to talk about it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So you're I not mean, looking to define grief, but you're going to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Or whatever else <laughs> that people want to talk about. Uh, Ryan's in here busting shit up <laughs> recording remotely I mean, just like, I was like, yeah. um whatever else people want to talk about um because yeah we're all carrying things in our heart and mm-hmm. and in our experience as human beings that 
there should be space for. Yeah. And you should meet people in. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about um, when you were talking about someone called you in order for you to then reach out to your mom and take mm-hmm. care of them about how you were placed in that protector role, right? Um, you know, and we were talking about yeah. this earlier yeah. today about how, you know, as a man, mm-hmm. you got to protect, right. right? You know, and people assume that that's like your thing, right. you know? Um, and I think grief takes a huge hit mm-hmm. when men think about being protectors because they're like, oh shit, like I'm grieving, mm-hmm. but so is my wife, my mom, right. my even my dad. You know what I mean? Like if say like, you know, your dad, say his brother dies or something like that, right. you know, you lose an uncle, right? Like uh, you're going to, oh, I got to reach out to my dad because, you know, got to be there for him, right? right? You're always looking after the person directly, you know, with who, you know, who has a direct descendant or whatever, you know, right. like more closest, like closest, yeah. right, 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 right. Yeah. But, um, but it, it, in a way it, it, uh, it doesn't acknowledge, um, the grief that the community is able to feel or that mm-hmm. other members of the family are able to feel. But I think it's funny that, how, cause we, we talked about this and feel free to riff on it if you'd like about, um, this expectation of protection, Yeah, you know, yeah. uh, and you even express that, someone as a trans male you're mm-hmm. still given that expectation to be yeah. the protector and sometimes you sh- were sharing that like that inhibits sometimes your process yeah i mean your I life one of the things about the gender our conversations around gender and things like that um is that we want to create something different in our society a way of being that's different in our society but we also really struggle to talk about what is Mm -hmm. you know i am queer i'm trans um you know i'm i i would i would say that i have a pretty progressive understanding of gender most of the people that really all the people that i date um and have dated have been people that um, would probably describe themselves as feminist or womanist or some version of gender progression and yet and still um, I have felt in every single one of my relationships, I was still expected to be a protector mm-hmm. as a man mm-hmm. in that relationship. Mm-hmm. And so let's talk about that. Yeah. Like, let, let's talk about like, what does it mean? Is that healthy masculinity? Is that toxic masculinity? Like, what does that really mean? Mm-hmm. Um, what does that mean for gender roles and gender relationships? Um, on a fundamental level, like human beings want to feel protected Mm -hmm. in many communities traditionally that has been a role that men have taken on um, or been assigned um, and it's been valued and women have taken on other roles and other assignments that have been valued. What does that mean for this society in the Western world, in the modern world? I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I do know that despite all of our fancy words, gender analysis, and politics, and theories, and blah, 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 uh, my wife still admitted to me that as soon as we got married, something switched, and she expected for me to do everything for her. Mm-hmm. Like, that's real shit. Yeah. And I wonder how many other black men have experienced the same thing. Yeah. You know, because I'm thinking about, like, there is no space for black men to be vulnerable. Especially mm-hmm. in today's 
world. You know what I mean? Like when we see someone, like I think someone like Colin Kaepernick who expressed his vulnerability by taking a knee, he expressed his real heart about what he felt about, and I'm sorry, that's a sports analogy, um, but he expressed how he really felt and it's cost him so many things because again, it's it's not allowed for for people of color to express anything outside yeah. of strength well and the Colin Kaepernick we won't go into that because I have I have, I have bad, ex- bad example but, but, but I'm using it I'm using it you know, solely he lost I mean he got a Nike de- I mean no, I understand <laughs> what I'm saying is that was that was a tangent he was a he's a public figure who showed right. a tangible form of intimacy I I think it was intimacy and mm. I think he was being punished for it mm. because he's expressing his opinion Mm-hmm. Right, and the only time we really, exp- the only time I feel this accepted for African Americans or people of color to express opinion is on like ESPN. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And like talking about sports or talking about music or like food. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But in terms of like, that. in terms of like other things, like there needs to be more of a space for people of color to be able to lean into these things. And that's why I think your project is so important mm-hmm. because it's going to. It's going to encourage that at least that space mm-hmm. to open up to have people, the people of color, black men, to talk about their hearts right. and what's going on, the deep intimacy of their heart. And maybe it's just maybe it's something that will be shared, you know, in a smaller scale. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think even just opening opening up that space is going to create further liberation, mm-hmm. it, and even. And, and even help to, um, it, it, what it's going to do is going to help society realize that we're part of this problem. Like society mm-hmm. is part of the reason that black men don't feel comfortable sharing their hearts because we label black men in the media as angry black men mm-hmm. and they're thugs mm-hmm. and they are all these other things. Like I can't think of a sensitive black man in pop culture right now. I can't I mean, think of- I can think of a couple but, but someone who's being someone who's like we appreciate their sensitivity or yeah. they're like they're making well, but I, cultural but here's waves. the thing too like it's I think it's hard to think about a sensitive person in pop culture like yeah I, I guess that's a good point like I think and I think that's a part of why the work that I do mm-hmm. right is that fundamentally like this is human shit mm-hmm. this and it looks different in the particularities of it all. And there's nuances in, in a depth that, you know, everything, the same medicine isn't going to heal yeah. everybody. Yeah. But on a bigger level, which is what I always hope to strive to get people to understand, like, this is human shit. Like, mm-hmm. I could, everything on my website, I could remove any reference to black men and just put human. Right. And put all kinds of pictures or no pictures or whatever. Mm-hmm. And everybody would vibe with that shit. Right, yeah. Everybody. Mm-hmm. Everybody would vibe with it, right? And so there is something just very real about the society that we live in, right? Where we talk about where people just don't want to talk about who we really are as beings, what we're really going through, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's vulnerability in the, like, sensitive way, but it's also, like anger and Mm. joy and dreams and confusion Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. loss and that's why i like this with this project i've had people ask like so what are what topics are you going to focus on or what i was like whatever the fuck they want to talk about it's individuals yeah like i'm not gonna 
I'm gonna tell them, show the fuck up as who you are. Like it's me and you. Mm-hmm. It's me and you. Like this is this is me and you. This is what we got, mm-hmm. and it's enough. And whatever's on your heart, let's put it out there. You know. And if it's really vulnerable, emotional, sensitive stuff, wonderful. You know. If we spend the whole time riffing on, I don't know, pop culture. Mm-hmm. wonderful too mm-hmm. like and a, and a part of it is like knowing that that is enough knowing that that's medicine knowing that who i am is enough you know i'm not one fucking thing you're a lot like, of things <laughs> i have a lot of things i was talking to um uh, a brother of mine and he was talking about a fear he has of stepping into a more spiritual spotlight, right? And this fear of like people expecting him to, you know, be pure and blah 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 blah. blah. Mm-hmm. I had that thought for like five seconds mm. of like, oh, people are gonna expect me to like not have particular opinions or thoughts or not to curse or not to whatever. And I was like, fuck that. Mm-hmm. I'm a whole being. Mm-hmm. I'm a whole being. God uses my whole vessel. God uses my whole experience. I'm interested in supporting people who want to be whole beings, not be purified, sanctified, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah, I have those moments that's a part of me. I'm very grateful, but I'm grateful for it all. Yeah. I'm grateful for all of the experiences that I have. And so that's that's what I want to uplift. Yeah. You know, that's what I want us to sit with. That's what I want us to see. Um you know, all of it. All of who I am as a black man. I want to be with all of who I am as a black man. I want to be with all of who, um, whoever is sitting across from me, you know, in those recordings is as a black man. All of it. Yeah. Just welcome. How do you feel this work is going to reshape the future and make it a better place for not only black men, but for just everyone in general? Well, I see it as kind of foundational. Right, like there's a lot of people doing amazing work and all kinds of things, education policy or, you know, poverty, whatever. Um, but to me, like there's no kind of change we can create where we don't really see people. Yeah, um, I've been asking this question of, of of people I work with or talk to of, you know, who's the community that you love, like really love, like when shit hits the fan you're still holding on for dear life. Who's that community? Yeah. Because that's the community you're called to serve. Because shit's going to hit the fan. Shit has hit the fan. Shit's already hit the fan, right? Shit yeah. has hit the fan. And if you don't love the community you're serving, if you aren't seeing them, if you aren't being with them and all of who they are in their multitudes, in their, in their purified moments and their monster moments, what kind of what kind of change are we really building? Are mm-hmm. we really building a world that can hold real people, whole people? Are we trying to build a world um, that only can hold version of ourselves that we're willing to see and accept? Yeah. Like, what are we building? So to me, it's a contribution to that foundation for anybody who wants to do specific work around masculinity, around black men, around gender, um, you know, that this is this is necessary. This mm-hmm. is essential. You know, you, mm-hmm. you you can't create any kind of change without seeing the people the change is supposedly for. Yeah. Uh, thinking back about our conversation last night, you helped me 
like you're just you're like a myth buster you're like a real <laughs> life human myth buster and you just kind of help break down these myths about humanity and about people of color and about men and black men and i think that as i'm reflecting on what you're saying i think i think there's that's going to be a continued part of what you do and that's just not that you're going to not that your goal is to educate people, but I think people will be educated mm-hmm. because people will be liberated through these conversations yeah. in a way that will um, maybe allow them to not feel like they have to be a certain way mm-hmm. or they don't have to you know, assimilate when they move into a different crowd or they don't have to live by a certain set of rules or expectations yeah. you know what i mean um because i get a strong sense from you i've seen you in both personal and professional settings like you just show up as jamari no matter what it looks like professional personal like you're just yourself and we kind of talked about this like doing retreats like we put on our retreat hat you right, know what i mean right. like we try to be this person and that's something that I, even as i was doing this podcast like I used to put on my podcasting hat and be like okay here I am this podcast and I'm like why do I suck at podcasting because you're trying <laughs> you're to be a podcast sucking podca- at being yourself yeah it's like because you're trying to be a podcaster <laughs> yeah right you're not trying to be Ryan right or you're not being Ryan like you're trying to be this yeah this idea you know um, and so yeah. I've been liberated uh, but I liberated myself mm-hmm. you know and so um, it for those that aren't able to do that or and I, and I personally think that um, the societal implications on people of color make liberation so difficult mm-hmm. because if it's not your personal stuff, it's someone else telling you that you got to be a certain way, right? Yeah. And, well, it's like the, you know, Toni Morrison passed away. Uh, and um, Bless her heart. Yeah. Um, World lost a very shining light. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's a, a quote that's going around you know, where she essentially talks about how, you know, one of the problems with racism, and I would say, you know, any form of oppression, is it's a distraction, Yeah. right? It tells you you're not enough, this isn't good enough, it tells you what you don't have, it tells you that you're this, that you're that, and then you spend all of your time trying to respond to that, mm-hmm. instead of doing the work you're, you're put here to do, right? Which isn't about racism. Right. right, which is bullshit, right? And a yep. delusion, <laughs> fundamentally a delusion, right. right? You weren't put here to, you know, uh, address delusions, mm-hmm. you know? And that's why, like, with me, I mean, it's interesting. Mythbuster is an interesting thing because I think for me, I just, I tell my truth. Right. And if that bust, uh, busts your myth, there we go. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I tell my truth. I exist. Like, I say that to people all the time. There are people who say, like, how are you trans and you're queer and you're Christian and you're black and how are you all of these things? And I said, I am. Yeah. Sorry that blows up whatever conception you have in your mind that that is impossible. Right. I am here. It's possible. Right. Welcome. Right. Is dinner time super stressful around your house? Well, if so, I highly recommend using Sunbasket meal delivery service. We've been using Sunbasket here at our house for over two years now and absolutely love it. Uh, They have new recipes coming out all the time, plus they allow you to customize your weekly delivering. So if you are on a certain diet, say you're doing keto, or you uh, you can also do vegan and gluten-free options. So head over to sunbasket.com. It makes dinner time so much easier and so much more fun. 
I, I see it. I, I see you as, uh, as you embodying those things as not as like a how or why, but like, a that's, you're like proof that it works, right? You're, you're proof. Maybe. You're, I see you as someone who's like, you can be multifaceted, right? Like you said something today when we were over, you, when we were having breakfast that like blew my mind. You said, uh, you know, when my, when my Trump side of my personality does this, right? Like you mm. talked about your, yourself having this whole spectrum of emotion, right? Mm-hmm. And this whole spectrum of being. And you even mentioned that on the podcast. Like if I told you some of the things that I've done, you would, you know, and then you parallel that with all the work that you are doing. You'd be like, wait, this is, this yeah. is a huge juxtaposition. Right. But that's humanity, yeah. right? I think that's, I think that's what I've really appreciated over these past 24 hours of conversation is that humanity is not what you expect. Mm-hmm. Humanity is not what you predict. Right. Humanity cannot be controlled. Humanity is a collection of us humans just, you know, working through it. Yeah. And it's not to say, you know, I don't say all this to say there's nothing we should do about it. It's a free for all. Oh, no. Right. That. That's not that's not what I think or what no. I what I believe, but I do believe we can't actually move towards the kind of world that we want, mm-hmm. pretending not to see the truth about ourselves, mm-hmm. right? Like we can't bust the myths if everybody is showing up as the myth and the lie. Mm. Yes. So if you if we want the truth to exist, then we have to show up in the truth, yeah. and the truth isn't always pretty. Yeah. Actually, the truth is often really ugly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the truth doesn't always make sense. Um, the truth doesn't always lead us to then answers about what we should do. Yeah. In an, in an immediate sense, you know, and I think that's, but I think that's a part of the work. I think that's mm-hmm. fundamental to the work of creating a world where people are affirmed in their lives, creating a world where people can flourish, creating a world that has, you know, less violence and less destruction and less dysfunction and less all the things that we don't want. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, first we have to talk about what is, mm-hmm. you know, uh, when I work with people, I tell people like, if you don't tell me the the truth about what the hell is going on, I can't support you. Mm-hmm. And I get building trust and all those things and I'm here for that, you know, but on a fundamental level, like if you hide from me. So there's so much you can do. There's only so much we can do. So mm-hmm. if we hide from ourselves, there's almost only, only so much we can do. There's only mm-hmm. so much we can create. There's only so much we can move on. Um, and we will, we have, like, it's not that we won't make progression, I think, but the kind of ways that people talk about radical change I was like, yeah, that tar- that starts with some radical as fuck truth. Yeah, and yeah. like your own truth, stepping into your own truth, yeah. bringing your own truth, right? Yeah, and not, and I think this is something that uh, a lot of white people are guilty of, and that's telling people what the truth is and yeah. trying to regulate the truth for yeah. the communities and right. for pop culture for society. Yeah, um, most white people can't tell you anything about truth. <laughs> yeah, because because we're all fucking you all liars. lie to yourselves yeah. about every everything. Day. About every day, yeah, every fucking thing. Yeah. You know, like it's, you can, Mm -hmm. you know, you can walk around in a delusion Mm -hmm. and it'd be okay. Well, 
it'd be it would be air quotes okay for you the rest of the right. world would no, rest of the world would burn yeah right, right. Burn like, down, but fine. yeah yeah but <laughs> you individually know, you'd, be, you'd fine, be fine right so yeah. you can't tell me you can't tell me about mm-hmm. truth mm-hmm. you're you're lying to yourself yeah you know I, I mean i've had people white people try to tell me what is true about racism or this or that or whatever and i'm just like are you serious right now is you're so gracious. Joke? Yeah, you're so gracious. <laughs> is this is this a joke? Yeah, really? you're telling me my learned experience. Like you're telling me my experience. Like this isn't a shared experience. This is my experience, not yeah. yours. Yeah, yeah. I had. I mean, I'm in seminary right now, which is a, a, a wild experience. You know, yeah, like had, obviously you're in seminary right now. <laughs> right. Um, I had classmates. Um, we were reading a textbook that a, a professor had assigned, and it was a it was a textbook. It, it was a uh, a class on on theology, and so it's kind of you know going over, you know, this overview of the history of theology, which is the history of theology is whitewashed and gendered and all of these problematic things, mm-hmm. right? And so we're reading this textbook, and that was kind of many of my classmates' comments was like, oh well, this is white, and it didn't talk about this, and it's gendered, and da 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 da. And everyone was complaining about the fact that we had to read this textbook and people saying we shouldn't. And this is now, mind you, this is a black woman professor mm. who has a who's running this class and has assigned this textbook. And they're like, "Oh no, I don't know why this is a textbook. They why are we reading this, etc." Black woman professor, right? Very intelligent, very prominent in her field, right? And I'm I asked my classmates. I said, "Well, do any of you know any of this?" that's in this textbook. Many of them tried to go around it and whatever, and mm-hmm. eventually they had to admit no. Mm-hmm. You don't even know your own whitewash fucked up history. And yet you want to create a world that doesn't look like that? Not even knowing what the fuck the fuckery is? Mm-hmm. How, Sway? <laughs> How? How? Read, look at your fuckery. And that's what I said. I said I said one of the one of my classmates talked about feeling uncomfortable focusing on that and not reading other work, which of course later in the class we read all yeah. kinds of I mean, James Conan, yeah. whatever. Yeah. And I told her I said I said you would it would do you well not to trust what feels comfortable to you as a white person because mm. maybe what well, feels hard comfortable to you isn't right. Mm-hmm. Maybe you should feel uncomfortable. Yeah. It should make you uncomfortable to read about yourself and your fuckery. Mm-hmm. And the goal isn't for us to have you read something that would make you more comfortable, even if yeah. it is black, uh, written by black people or women or et cetera. Yeah. Because the reason that makes you co- more comfortable is because you you know the rhetoric and you know what you're supposed to say and da 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 da. I'm not mm-hmm. into that performance bullshit. Mm-hmm. Read about yourself. Be mm-hmm. uncomfortable. Sit mm-hmm. in the pain. Mm-hmm. Know what the fuck the the lies are so you can do something about them. Yeah. You know you can't handle truth. You can't put truth on top of delusion that you mm-hmm. don't even understand. Yeah. You know so that's I mean it's it's funny. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. You get your you get exactly how you feel about it, and I, I love when you when you go deeper and you provide these examples, you know, for for what you're thinking about. Because I think a lot of times when you talk about certain things, 
you know, you talk about the isms, they sort of get funneled into history or, mm-hmm. you know, events or things like that. But you're like, no, no, we need to just sit with the present moments, seeing what's going on around, holding everything in a more holistic view. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I would add, um, and then talking about it in community, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And like parceling it out. And, yeah. and I think that's the, that's the opportunity of the, uh, of the white community right now is to, um, is to listen and to do their own, to do their own work, uh, and do their own research and to read their own books mm-hmm. and to take their own classes and to get together with other white people and talk about systemic issues. I love white caucus. Yeah, I mean it's. I say that a little chug in cheek. Yeah, no. Caucus is always. Uh, yeah, I mean it's always a show. Well, you never know what you're gonna get, right? <laughs> and and most of the time, you just end up with a bunch of feel good white people talking about how they want to do better, right? Yeah, and, and or I they think, end up in dysfunction because that or is they never talk to each does. other again because there's someone there's <laughs> exactly. someone in the group that's like, you know, this is all fine and dandy, but how yeah. do we put these things? into our real lives like what are you going to do differently like yeah they throw each other in the but every white caucus whenever we do affinity yeah. groups or anything like that every white caucus i've ever seen has turned into pure dysfunction yeah and they show back right we do the report back to the group mm-hmm. and it's clear everybody has their own opinion everyone had their own experience people start throwing each other under a bus then as the rest of the people of color of the room are like what the hell is happening what, what just are happened? you all doing right i mean it just it just turns and my thing always is, well, I hope they see what whiteness does. Yeah. I hope that they see this is, this is what then white people and whiteness shows up in in the world. It's dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. It's it's absolutely dysfunctional. So like, yeah, but I definitely think white people should do their work. It's not yeah. me. I. It's I, not you. You know. Learn from your work and support it through Patreon and like pay, pay yeah, you're like paying I mean, you, but like don't don't put it on you to teach. No, and I don't. I don't feel any obligation to do it. There are some. I think there are some people of color who feel an obligation to do that mm-hmm. work. I think there are some who feel called and comfortable to do that work for various reasons, their own history and their own experience that that makes them. I commend those people um, sure. who are willing to do that because I do think it. It probably will take some of us, right? Yeah. Like I, I, I think there's. I think that it would be very difficult for white people completely on their own to figure out their own shit mm-hmm. um, without it turning into dysfunction, which, mm-hmm. I mean, hey, that's that's y'all's dysfunction. I mean, yeah. again, I'm like, eh, I mean, it's not, it's not my stuff mm-hmm. to deal with, right? Again, going back to Tony Morrison, like, y'all got to figure that shit out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Um, and if, if there are any people of color, particularly any black people or indigenous folks who are gracious enough to support that. I mean, I hope there are some white people who are humbled enough to receive it. Mm-hmm. My experience is that many white people are not, you know, mm-hmm. they, the, the, per, the quote unquote progressive ones, you mm-hmm. know, they, they already think they know everything. And so I'd be like, well, shit, good luck. Yeah. Good luck, right. <laughs> you know, good luck. Good luck. Yeah. Um, I'm trying There's to somebody right now who's like pissed off. Good luck, homie. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got to say. That's all I got to say. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out how to land this plane, but in typical Ryan and Jamari fashion, we have ping ponged all over the damn yeah. place. And 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 I think it's. Um, Let's not land it. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously. 
seriously. Yeah. Like sometimes shit, we don't land it. You don't tie it up in a bow. You don't live, leave Come on feeling now. like it's wonderful and beautiful. Oh, and that was that was amazing. I feel so touched. And da, 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 da. this the real. Yeah. This the well, real. well, I, I what I'm what I I'm trying to do, in, and I, I'm, it's working just naturally. Is you are, you are a a gem that is multifaceted, and I want people to see all of the different. Yeah. angles to which you shine because you're not um you're you're not like most people you are you are a you are a unicorn you are a <laughs> pot of gold you are a double rainbow um oh. you are you are a person who um i've just grown so much because i can just be around you and i can mm. just be your friend on social media and yeah. I can read your posts. So I, I want to, I really, I'm, I'm wanting to show all of the different gifts Multi- that you have. Yeah, with the multitude of gifts that you have because you have, you, you know, I, I hold this, em- this empath feeling where I, I feel things, I feel energy, I feel, you know, when you say like you walk into a room and you feel a certain thing, like I have that. I feel certain things when I walk into certain areas. And I, and I think that's another kindred thing that you and I had. Like you, f- you feel things yeah. on a level. And, and I, I hope that, um, <clears throat> I, I hope that that was brought forth in this interview, in this conversation and that people will, um, will understand that your, uh, the work that you do comes from the fact that you are, focused on what it means to be human. And yeah. one of the things that I've learned about you and one of the myths that you helped me break is that being trans doesn't define who you are. And mm-hmm. your experience transforming and going through all that doesn't define who you are. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that I learned from you this mm-hmm. weekend. So I'm very thankful for that. Uh, I'm thankful for that lesson that you taught me because I'm going to apply that to other people that I meet in mm-hmm. my life. And, th- and, and also it's helpful in thinking about doing work with people about how it might not be one moment in their life that defines them, but several, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and those are both positive and negative things yeah. that go along with that. Um, so, so yeah, so I want to, I want to leave it open to you. These, you know, we've got, we've got a few more minutes. Um, mm. You know, I want to, I want to make sure we've covered everything, you know, I want to make sure if there's anything else, you know, um, I want to dive more into the being with black men, more of the logistics of that. But I think you're fleshing that out. I think you're working on it right now. And I think that's something that people just need to experience once it's out. But I would love for, you know, if there's anything else that you want to share about that project or about, you know, you uh, just what, you know, you've been a part of Whiskey and Rye since before it was even like a thing. You know, I've been talking about you with Whiskey and Rye uh, before I recorded my first episode, you know. And, uh, And so here we are. You know, yeah. um, you've been gracious to be on. Um, I want to make sure that we have time for you. If there's anything that you, you know, are feeling that you want to share, um, let's do it. Yeah. Um, I just want to say thank you to, to you first for having me. Um, you know, I'm very grateful for your friendship. I'm grateful for your person, who you are as a, as a being. Um, it's been definitely a blessing to my life, definitely an answer prayer in my life. Um, you know, I, I do to circle full circle. We always come full circle. I always come full circle. To full circle back to, you know, what 
you led us with, with the whole yin and yang, you know, I think there are a lot of people who, you know, on the surface would probably think our friendship doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> um, and it makes all the sense in the world to mm-hmm. me. Um, and there's, there's a way in which God is moving in my life um, right now in the a kind of alignment that I have in my life right now where everything I thought I knew about the world and how it functions and what I should do has completely been blown the fuck up. Mm. I mean, completely. And... I mean, that's really abundance because all the things I thought I knew and believed, so much of that was rooted in limited beliefs about what I thought I could have and could be capable of and or should do. Um, And now I'm in this world of abundance where it's like, it's limitless. Mm -hmm. Um, And all the things that might seem impossible are possible now. Mm-hmm. Um, including the kinds of friendships I, I can have that are real, mm-hmm. like really real. Not like the, the way I'm talking right now to Ryan about white people is the way I talk to Ryan about white people all the time, mm-hmm. right? Um, I don't hide that, you know? And you don't hide yourself and you don't hide your ignorance. Um, and it's something that I've always respected uh, about you, um, you know? on top of the fact that you all use washcloths. We <laughs> talked about how some white people don't use washcloths, and, and that makes Always me Always offer a washcloth to your guests. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, you know, so I'm just, I'm just grateful. You know, I'm, I'm grateful for this opportunity. I'm grateful that you're doing this work. Um, yeah, I... I I always feel like anything I do is first for me and whoever I'm doing it with and then is an invitation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a pastor always says, if there is but one. So mm. if there is but one person hearing this who, um, you know, feels aligned, feels like we should be in community, feels like we have a soul contract, in whatever way, like hit me up, real yeah. talk. Like I love connecting, vibing with people. Whether it's for the Being with Men project, uh, Being with Black Men project, I have a retreat for Black Men coming up in October. All these things you can check out on my website, which is um, which is www.jamarimichael.com. And um, yeah, hit me up. You know, if you just want to connect. You know, with cool people. It's hard as fuck out here. That's what I want to end with. It's hard as fuck out here, y'all. Like, we ain't got to make this shit harder. Like, like, let's be real. Let's connect where we can. Let's be human. Let's tell the truth and be gracious. People don't think you can do both. You can. You can. We can. We do it all the time. You know, um, let's sit with ourselves. Let's celebrate. You know, let's be pure and let's cuss the fuck out of everything like you know let's be whole let's love ourselves let's love others let's figure this shit the fuck out um let's not (laughs) i mean like let's be here you know we doing it all already we're doing it all already yeah well jamari my friend it's been an honor 
it's been a privilege. Thank you for all that you've shared, and uh, you truly, you truly are a gem in that you are multifaceted and you shine no matter which way you look at you. Mm. And um, I'm grateful for you, my friend. So thanks for doing this. Thank you. All right, friends, thank you so much for tuning in to this latest episode of Whiskey and Rye. I'm very grateful for your time. I'm grateful for you tuning in every other week uh, and joining this conversation. And I'm especially grateful for my guest this week, Jamari. Uh, Not only is Jamari a good friend of mine, but he is up to amazing things uh, professionally uh, and personally. He's a great human being as well. But uh, the stuff he's doing professionally is is going to change lives. And I'm so uh, grateful for his time and I'm grateful for everything that he shared. I will make sure to put links to all of his Uh, contact information in the show notes uh, and make sure you check that out so you can keep up with his work also included in the show notes uh, just want to remind everyone that there is a donate function Uh, if you are interested in helping cover the everyday costs and some of the operational costs helping cover getting some new equipment uh, editing music licensing things like that Uh, my time in doing the show all of that uh, all those donations help to that so you can donate uh, either through paypal or on venmo and i have that included in the show notes as well want to say thank you as always to the deep west for providing great music Uh, make sure to check them out on instagram links to their instagram are in the show notes and they've got music up on spotify so make sure to check them out on there as well and uh my next guest uh is it's going to be a surprise guest for my next episode i uh i'm very excited to uh to share this one with you i've been wanting to have this individual on the show for a while um but i'm going to keep it a surprise so uh tune back in in two weeks to uh catch a surprise uh special guest episode uh that'll be it i think uh yeah no more to talk about appreciate you swinging through whiskey and rye this week uh i hope you have a great rest of your night and i raise my glass to you cheers